Welcome, one and all, to this episode of The Revcast. I'm Pastor Mike. I'm Pastor Bree. And we are very glad for you to be here with us today. Or whenever you're with us. Well, whenever they're with us, it is today. Sure, that works. It's always today. But today is a very special day, folks, uh, in the life of the Desitel family. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) So... So a lot of you know we moved uh, uh, over the summer to Grand Rapids, Michigan uh, to start at two uh, new congregations for us. They've been here for a while. We are new uh, to them. And uh, and we we have a, a lovely parsonage provided by uh, Breeze Church. Um, and we, uh, we've we had to downsize a bit, but that was a good thing. That was, yeah, it was uh, a good thing. It was a very good thing. It was much needed. And... Uh, uh, but we have we, we, we ran into there are a couple little problems and one of them uh, is that that my mom Grandma Kathy who lives with us um, does a lot of the cooking all the shopping all that stuff and the refrigerator here works perfectly fine it's a beautiful refrigerator it's but just not adequate to our needs we have we have five people and that's that's a lot of stuff. To yes. try and keep in a fridge, and uh, and it just wasn't working. So Grandma came up with the idea that she would, uh, out of the kindness of her heart and generosity, and wanting to to actually love herself a little bit, uh, get a new refrigerator for us uh, that has uh, much more space. And this one, uh, the one the church has provided, will uh, uh, will go in the garage and be like for soda pop and Gatorades and things, and. Uh, so we ordered uh, this this refrigerator um, back in the end of August, first first day of school or something. It something was like uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, the yeah, first, yeah. It was the first, first day the kid we dropped the kids off at school and we're like let's go buy a refrigerator. Uh, so we shopped around, we found it, we we liked it, we ordered it. They said it's it will be stock. here in stock. Will be here September fourth. So you're listening to this on uh, on November first ish ish. And uh, well, this this goes live. It drops on November first, uh, and we still don't have it. It was supposed to be here September fourth. It wasn't. Uh, they said, "Well, September seventeenth. So September seventeenth comes along. The truck shows up. Uh, they get it off the truck. They take the box off the top of the fridge, and not one but two giant dents in the thing. Look like somebody ran a forklift into it. And uh, and then uh, we were supposed to have it again at the beginning of October." Uh, and now, now we are the end of October, hopefully getting it. And the main reason I am telling this whole story at all right now uh, is because the allotted time that they said they may be able to drop it off uh, is also during our podcasting time. Yes, so it's entirely possible we will have to stop the podcast yeah, right. to go unload the refrigerator and, and get a new refrigerator and then come back and go, where were yes. we? <laughs> so if all of a sudden like it seems like there's a jump in flow, a difference of attitude, or tenor in hours our later. <laughs> whoo, so we're hoping to get this done um, before any of that. Uh, it could very well be I so so Mondays is my podcasting day right now. So I podcast with Bree. We do we do our thing, and then uh, later on I podcast with Pastor Dan from uh, Ypsilanti. We do that over Zoom, and uh, and so it could it could very well happen during either one of those podcasts. Yes. So it could it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun day. Yes, but hopefully um, the refrigerator yeah. comes, and then we have a happy Grandma Kathy, oh, and a happy gosh, Grandma Kathy yes. leads to a happy household. Certainly does. Certainly does. So. 
all that to say, uh, we got a refrigerator coming, and if uh, it seems like we paused and came back a few hours later, that's probably what happened. <laughs> Hopefully it won't take a few hours, but yes. So, um, before we get to life hacks, before we get to, to any... Oh, you know what? I think... Let's let's reverse that. Let's uh, let's do our our stuff and then we'll debrief. Okay. All right. Let's, Isn't that what we did last week? No, we did the debrief first, then we did life hacks, and just like oh, it shows I, I how much like, attention I pay. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, I, I, yeah. I'm just totally immersed in the moment. I'm not concerned with those <laughs> those sort of uh, little details that, that distract you. Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. So anyway, here we go. That's right, folks. The hacks of life. Uh, our life hack for uh, November first, two thousand and twenty-one, or whenever it is you're listening to this in the future. Uh, life hack number five hundred and thirty-three. If a Duracell battery leaks and destroys one of your devices, the company will replace the device if it's sent to them with the defective battery still in place. I didn't know that. I I don't know if that's true. Your your life hack book says my that life it's hack true. book says it is. Um, I don't know that I've ever necessarily had a Duracell battery leak in anything. I've had batteries leak and I stuff. Batteries but I don't leak. Know. I haven't paid attention to what brand they were. But I kind of I kind of want to do that now i don't think it counts if you cause the battery well, no, to i don't leak. want to cause it but like i'm wondering if there's a way i could like just like a cheap toy device something that has a duracell battery in it and like just leave it on a window ledge or something for a year and look at it and see what happens you go to a weird place <laughs> I'm like oh i'll file that away just in case i ever need it and you're like let's test it well <laughs> let's invest a year it's not really investing anything to leave something sit for a year, is it? That's true. That's kind of our, our cleaning strategy around <laughs> our house as it is. There are toys sitting in the windowsill that will probably be there a year from now. So, oh, God willing, and the creek don't rise 10 years from now. Well, not about the toys sitting there, but it being the same windowsill. Oh, okay. It's right. like, that's a weird, that's a weird prayer to pray. <laughs> Looking around, I thought you were going to be like, God willing, in the creek don't oh. rise. We're finally going to get this clutter under control. And Mike's like, no, it's still going to be there in 10 years. <laughs> that's my dream. So, um, uh, folks, you can you can ignore this next part. You need to remind me after. Uh, to We had a staff meeting this morning. You need to have me remind you after to tell you about uh, the, the prayer and staff meeting this morning. Okay. It was it was epic, um, but there there's language that's not fit for this family friendly podcast. So. Oh, so if you guys see us in person, ask Mike oh, about yeah. the prayer. Oh yeah, I would love to tell that story in person without you know little tender ears possibly around. Yes. So. Anyway, what's I've, uh, I've wh- heard what's... I've heard our broadcast is very popular with the, the under five set. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but if I but if we use it, we have to like put an explicit warning on it yeah and i would hate for the rev cast to be like explicit or maybe i'd like that maybe i'd like that in the 90s a band christian band put explicit language warning on their albums because they're like explicit just means you say what you mean and we say what we mean and i think it backfired (laughs) it did yeah (laughs) I, i think i remember that too all right, so uh, what's uh, what's happening this week in history this week in history november 1st 1800 President John Adams moves into the White House. 
The last year of his only term as president, President John Adams moved into the newly constructed President's House, the original name for what is known today as the White House. Uh, They rushed to finish it so that he could move in. He told his wife, Abigail, it's great. It was not great. Um, they, construction remained unfinished when Adams rolled up in his carriage November 1st. However, their furniture was there and a picture of George Washington was already hanging in one room. Abigail arrived shortly. Um, Adams was enthusiastic. They found it to be very soon. They found it to be cold and damp during the winter. Abigail said it was only tolerable as long as there were fires lit in every room and she had to hang their washing in the empty audience room, the current East room. She hung her washer in there to dry. Um, They only lived there for five months because, uh, of course, Adams was defeated in his bid for re-election. But uh, today was move-in day for the first president to live in the White House. Uh, November 4th. Uh Uh-huh. 1922, Uh the entrance to King Tut's tomb. King Tut's tomb was discovered. Oh, see, you threw me there. You threw, I threw you there. You thought it was more presidential history. Well, so, so typically, typically, at least the way I remember things, um, this this day, this week in history for you tends to be either uh, Tudor history or something to do within the timeline of the musical Hamilton. that's that. Those are the, those are the ones I predominantly remember. Maybe those are just the ones that you predominantly remember. <laughs> no, I thought King Tut's tomb was oh, discovered. That was a huge awesome. deal. We got to see some of the treasure from King we Tut's tomb did. when we were in Egypt, which was really kind of surreal. As you see all yeah. of these pictures uh, that are so iconic, and to actually stand in front of the items themselves was very surreal. Yes, and, and I remember like it was it was surreal, and some of it was. Uh, like everything you'd imagine from the pictures, and then some of it was like, that's a lot smaller than I thought it was. Yeah. Or that's not nearly as cool as it was in the the lighting that the photographer used. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, very yeah. cool. Very T- cool. Tut, of course, himself was a very minor king, but he's become a major king because his tomb was so well preserved for three thousand years. Yeah. We have. Uh, this treasure trove of, of history uh, surrounding him. So, yeah. yeah. I kind of like that. I like um, that he was such such an unknown mm-hmm. uh, minor character, like was not very much affected by grave robbers, uh, tomb, tomb raiders, mm. um, uh, plunderers. Uh, it was just left to be, and, and the importance of King Tut uh, is not necessarily anything he did or didn't do in his life, but uh, just the preservation of history. Yeah, uh, I think is is a pretty cool thing about that. All right, anything else for uh, this week in history? Uh, the Sistine Chapel ceiling opened to the public. We don't have the exact date. I remember seeing that as I was slipping through <laughs> the stay in history. I thought that was kind of cool. Well, all right, lots of art and his his. Well, I guess history. In this day in history. <laughs> All right, so now it's time for our debrief. 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 So we were, we were actually this, on the same scripture yes. for the first time in a long time. Like, so how did the it whole, go? The whole theme of this, like the way we're doing <laughs> this, is is contingent on us being on the same scripture. And we are uh, right now. This is, I think, episode five, and uh, and we. <laughs> For the first time, we're we're debriefing on the same scripture. Um, 
I think it went really well. I'm trying to think back to to where I thought we were going to start, or where I thought I was going to start with it. Um, no, originally, way back when, when you were planning, how is Bartimaeus a stewardship oh, sermon? Yeah. You were all about Jesus has set his face to Jerusalem. He's in a hurry, and then there's this guy crying out for mercy. And and who is it? Sometimes that we have our sets face, our, our sets faced, our sets faced on. Yes, our sets faced on. <laughs> our faces set on some goal, something that we're trying to do, some place that we're trying to go, and we're too busy to notice the opportunities that God has put in front of us. I don't think that's where you. That went, is not where I went. But that was back when you were talking yourself into Barnabas is totally a stewardship sermon. Hey, so so I did manage to find a few fairly good stewardship points mm-hmm. in Bartimaeus. Um, it, it, is, it, it has been, this, this whole season of preaching Mark for me uh, has been really kind of, kind of leaning into uh, the, the kind of underpinnings of the story that Mark is telling. Mm-hmm. Like Mark is telling the story of Jesus. He's telling it quickly. Jesus is going fast. He's on a mission. Um, but there is also, in in other gospels as well, there's a whole lot of the disciples just not getting it. Yeah. Um, and and while uh, you know, I, I kind of pick at them a bit. It is it is a reality that that is for me uh, the fact that they didn't get it uh, is is sometimes the good news in the message mm. um, because so often we don't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so where I ended up. And was talking about um, uh, the disciples feel like they they have things under control, like they understand what what what's going on. Um, I used uh, my my introduction. I talked about the wheel of fortune mm-hmm. and how, as the letters appear, people tend to 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 think they know what the message is, what the puzzle is, uh, and it's especially fun when. I'm watching Wheel of Fortune and I solve it before they do and even more fun when I solve it before they do and they get it wrong. Yeah. Uh, I think I called it Wheel of Schadenfreude in my sermon. <laughs> um, but uh, So I showed a clip of uh, one of their toss-ups at the beginning and uh, uh, a guy buzzes in and he guesses uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's doing something um, is, the, is the clue. And uh, or, and it and the and the guy says, uh, passing the bacon. <laughs> uh, and then it goes a couple more, and it's no, it's passing the baton. Uh, and of course, Pat Sajak is like, hey, I kind of I kind of like the idea of passing the bacon better. Yeah. Um, but it's that idea, right, that the disciples have this picture in mind. They have a few of the 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 letters that they think spell out a certain thing. Uh, and it's not that thing. They think it's going to war. Uh, they think it's overthrowing Rome. Um, and and I think where we see this in Mark uh, quite beautifully, actually, uh, is in those first two lines. It says, uh, they entered Jericho, and then immediately, without the immediately, uh, as they were leaving Jericho with a large crowd. Mm. Um, and, and so... We have nothing of what Jesus says or does in Jericho, uh, which leads me to believe that there's nothing at this point. He's going through, uh, at least the image portrayed in Mark. He's going through, um, but if this large crowd starts following, sees him heading to Jerusalem, they may be thinking, 
that this is who Jesus is. The disciples uh, are not dissuading them uh, because they still think this is who Jesus is. Um, and then there's this this stopping uh, when Bartimaeus cries out. Uh, and so I end up talking about uh, how we as the church end up uh, uh, end up guessing the wrong answer. We think we know the whole puzzle when it comes to uh, giving. We think uh, to solve the puzzle, we just put the money in the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, when in reality, uh, it is about a whole lot more. Uh, in particular, uh, focused on the time we give. The time we give to uh, being uh, a leader and being a learner um, within within the context of the church. And so that's pretty much that's pretty much where things went for me. How'd they go for you? They went all right. Um, I talked about. Did you did you do Wheel of Bacon? I did not do uh, Wheel of Bacon. No, I did not. I I did a Christmas story. Gotta but love not, Christmas. Not a Christmas story though. A Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, you didn't have the leg lamp. No, I did right. not. I did not. I could not get that together in time. No, I talked about um. We had, I think we mentioned last week the, this this detail that Bartimaeus throws off his cloak when he goes to Jesus. Yes. And how for for a blind beggar, that was really a reckless thing to do. But this idea that he leaves behind his most prized possession with no guarantee that he's ever going to get it back because he believes that Jesus can offer him something better. Um, and so he steps out in faith. Uh, the reason I talked about the Christmas story is uh, starting actually last week when we were sitting here doing this podcast, I had this image in it's my mind. It's not the Christmas story. It's a Charlie Brown Christmas. Charlie Brown Christmas. I skipped. So I'm one of these people that's very clear Christmas has to wait at least until Halloween is over, preferably until Thanksgiving is over. So I had to ask for uh, apologies because I was talking about <laughs> Christmas in my sermon. Ask for forgiveness. I apologized. Um <laughs> That there's this scene in A Charlie Brown Christmas where Linus is telling the Christmas story. Not right. a Christmas story, but the, the Christmas the story. Christmas story. Um, and Linus is very famous for carrying around a security blanket that he never puts down. He gets teased about it. They try to, you know, they try to wean him away from it. He never puts it down except for in this one scene where he's telling the story of Jesus being born and he puts down his blanket. Mm-hmm. Um and there's, I think there, that's not the sort of thing that happens by accident. There's some intentionality there that, that Jesus is better than his security blanket. And that was the image that came to my mind when we talked about Bartimaeus leaving his cloak behind. When yeah. you're face-to-face with Jesus is better than even your most prized possession. Um, so that was a part of my stewardship theme. Um, I also talked about, you remember, I was very intrigued that this happened outside of Jericho and some of the history of Jericho. And being reminded that there are theologians who believe. So when um, when the people get to the promised land, they get to Jericho, and it's this beautiful, rich place. Um, they march around the walls. The walls come falling down. And it would have been very easy to be like, okay, we're in the promised land. We're in this lush oasis. Our enemies are gone. Let's rebuild. Call it a day. We've got a home now. And God says, no, don't rebuild here. Don't settle mm-hmm. here. Um, leave it as a witness, leave it as a testimony. And there are theologians that that hi- suggest, hypothesize. There we go. Sure. I couldn't come up with that. That's a 50-cent word for a Monday morning. <laughs> um, theologians that, that suggest that Jericho, in a way, was the first fruits of the promised land. 
the, the when you had a field and it started to bear fruit, you would offer those first fruits back to God in thanksgiving for another season of growth, but also as an act of faith that there's more to come. You can afford to give the first fruits to God because there's even better things. There's more to come. Um, and Jericho being that place as the people are entering into the promised land that was left as a witness that God did something amazing and there's even better things to come. Mm. Um, and playing with that as a stewardship image and also as an image for where Jesus is in his story as he's about to go into Jerusalem, as they're about to see the events of of the Holy Week unfold and the resurrection is coming and this idea that, yeah, healing this blind guy was pretty cool, but it's just a first fruit. It's just a foretaste. It's just a suggestion. There's something even better to come. Um, mm. So yeah, so playing with some of those stewardshipy images that are yeah. in the subtext of this story about healing a blind man. Well, and I want to I want to say um, I rem- in the in the podcast last week you talked about the connection uh, or, or possible connection between the story of the rich young man mm. and Bartimaeus, and mm. I actually I actually wound up using that. Um, because I thought that was a really good picture of going from uh, this person seeking eternal life, seeking um, uh, something from Jesus. Jesus telling him, sell all you have, give to the poor, then come follow me. And the young man going away sad because he had a lot of stuff. Uh, And then Bartimaeus, who cries out for mercy, is not looking, is not even even thinking himself probably at this point worthy of eternal life, mm-hmm. um, just wanting some relief in this life, and throws off all that he has in his cloak um, and, go, and goes to Jesus, is healed. And, the, and the, the piece I pulled out said he never goes back. Yeah. He doesn't go back for the cloak. So, so I thought that was, uh, I, I thought it worked really well. Yeah. Um, and and we're kind of talking like we didn't read each other's sermons beforehand, but we did. Um, so that's that's more for your benefit, folks. Um, oh, you used Charlie Brown? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's it's how did how did it go? Yes, that, how did it go? It went that really connection well. with the rich young man worked well in my sermon as well because when I preached the rich young man, which I, I didn't do, I preached about our daughter and find her finding out there were multiple copies of her comfort item, her security blanket. And so stumbling and tripping around the house, trying to hold on to four blankets at the same time and realizing more isn't always better. Yeah. And this image juxtaposing that right with Linus putting his blanket down with the, with the man leaving his cloak behind. Um, it was a nice, I, I thought, I don't, I haven't heard from anybody else, but I thought it was a nice callback and it worked it, out really well to, was, to revisit was, that image. It was a nice callback. And I started thinking about the, the psychology of how within just a couple of weeks, uh, your, your mind goes to like two security blanket stories. Yeah. But, but that like, works. Like no. blankets. What are you saying? <laughs> it's, it's nap time. That's, that's what we're saying. <laughs> it's always nap time in our house. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, our our scripture for today comes uh, again from Mark chapter twelve uh, verses. Did my page turn? Twenty eight through thirty four. Oh, there it is. Twenty eight through thirty four. Uh, before I read that, though, uh, Bree, would you uh, pray? Sure. Thanks. Oh God, we know that you have been with us, and we are so grateful that you invite us to acknowledge your presence and to be with you, to join you in your story. 
We ask your blessing now as, as we turn to your word, as we begin to unpack our first impressions and first ideas. Um, help us, Lord. Help us to hear your voice in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Here's our scripture for today. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask any questions. This is the word from Mark for us today. Yeah. So we've jumped in the story a little bit. A little bit. We've been sort of plodding along with Mark. Uh, we've jumped over the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We've jumped over. There have been several scenes with the scribes coming and trying to trap Jesus and asking questions and trying to back him in a corner around yeah, marriage is, and about taxes. Yeah, and, this is the full court press right now. Yes. And so... It's interesting that here we have a scribe portrayed positively who's not coming trying to trap Jesus, but who's actually been impressed with Jesus' answers uh, yeah. to the point where he's coming and going, huh, well, what do you think about this teacher? In a more of a curious, uh, at least I read him as is more of a curious and respectful person uh, rather than somebody who's trying to trip Jesus up. Oh, for sure. So, you know, we... we... We give we, we, we kind of paint all the Pharisees and all the scribes and all the Sadducees with the same brush. Uh, but we know uh, Nicodemus uh, was a Pharisee um, who was, for who he was, a uh, honest, open and, and he didn't have he didn't have some sinister agenda. Mm -hmm. um, and so it it serves to reason that there are, Sadducees, that there are other religious leaders and scribes and folks that, that do not have those sinister motives, um, that don't have the manipulation of the people in mind, that don't have any of that. Um, and having, having been to Jerusalem, having walked the old city, having uh, been uh, to the Western Wall uh, and, and the teaching steps and see all of these things, it's, it's very... Uh, very much in my in my mind that um, it could very easily have been he's walking by from from one library to another from one place to another and here's this this commotion these scribes that are testing Jesus and here's how Jesus here's uh, how it is that Jesus answers them and and is doing so very well mm -hmm. uh, it, it's Jesus. Uh, is doing so very well, and this and this scribe is impressed, and 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 wants to throw in an honest question to this to this rabbi, unknown rabbi who maybe has a rabble around, whatever, uh, to say, what is 
what is the the most important commandment? What is the first commandment? Yeah. Um, or the greatest commandment, and that's uh, yeah. So I don't I don't think there's sinister intent here. No. Uh, and there's another uh, there's another uh, passage that's uh, a story uh, in the Bible that's kind of similar to this. Uh, it's in oh, it's in Acts, and Paul is b- before one of the governors, and uh, and the governor says to Paul, "You almost convince me hmm. to be a Christian or to to be uh, to follow the way." Um, and, and when I hear the, the end of this pericope with, uh, you are not far from the kingdom of heaven or from the king, uh, yeah, kingdom of heaven. Um, it, it kind of feels that same way, uh, except this is a, this is a much more positive. This is, this is your, you are so stinking close. Um, like it just, yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Makes you wonder what he's missing. True. I have I have a guess, but right, well, let's 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 uh, let's walk through it. Walk through my guess or walk no, through the scripture. No, walk through the scripture. What's let, let's? What are you thinking? All right. Well, we start with here, Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Uh huh. Which is very significant in a polytheistic society. So you wonder what does that mean for us today? Is it as important for us to remember that the Lord our God, the Lord is one? Hmm. It, it's interesting because, uh, yeah, like I've had, I've had not recently, but I've had people who, uh, Christian people in churches, who have made uh, made statements about you know. Uh, not believing the the in the doctrine of the Trinity, hmm. um, and the and those kinds of things, uh, and it, yeah, it it's it's it feels like it has a different meaning for me. Yeah. Um. This this particular callback uh, to Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, um, is is very much going from what was a tremendously polytheistic society uh religious kind of thinking and and sig- uh separating away one of of that pantheon of deities uh Yahweh and saying this this is uh, the god of gods mm-hmm. um and and eventually what happens is that uh, is through through years in theology, is anything that isn't the God of gods is a demon, um, not just a lesser god, but a demon or evil. Um, so yeah, for for me, I I wonder if today uh, a, a reading of it, or if this is if this is coming about today, may be uh, not so much a separation of this one God from the pantheon. But a recognition more of um, uh, more of God. Period. Everything is is one. I had uh, a religion teacher in grade school um, on the question of uh, how how there can be so many 
different religions and so many different gods. Um, and how can we say that one is the right one? And, and the answer, um, was probably, probably not the greatest theology, but, um, but I liked it, uh, <laughs> was, uh, um, just this idea that, that, that God is not limited in how God appears to people. Hmm. Uh, the, the many faces of, of God, the, and we talk about sometimes uh, seeing the fingerprints of God in, in other, uh, seeing fingerprints of Judeo-Christianity uh, in, in other religions. Um, so, yeah, I kind of wonder. I think for me, my mind goes not so much to other religions as it goes to other things that we treat as gods. Oh, that too, yeah. We fall into the, the false god of money and popularity and nationalism and all of those things that we pledge our allegiance to and and give power over our lives. Um, It's just, when I think of this passage, when I think of Jesus being asked, what's the greatest commandment, which is how it's phrased, I think, in one of the other Gospels, I don't remember the hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. I remember you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Correct. Love your neighbors, love yourself. And so it's an interesting piece to me. And I confess I didn't look in the other Gospels to see uh, if it's there. I don't know that it is. Well, and it, it, well, and it may have to do with who Jesus is answering. Mm. Um or the, the 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 context in which Jesus is answering it, because um, remember the go- we remember the gospels are written to different people groups at different times with different uh, understandings of things. Uh, and Mark Mark is the oldest. Uh, Matthew and Luke borrow a great deal from Mark, um, and so and so in Matthew and Luke it may well be. Um, if I remember correctly, Luke uh, is not writing to predominantly Jewish uh, Christians, right? I believe Luke was writing more to Gentiles. Yes, it's part and of so, the reason Luke lifts up the outsiders right. so often. So, so in in the the presentation of that story, uh, "Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." It's not going to have as as much play with with mm. Gentiles. Yeah. Um, whereas this scribe. Um, including that, uh, well, that's, and that, that, that essentially, uh, uh, that's a Shema, right? Yeah, that's a Shema. Uh, that prayer, that, that mantra, um, I, I think was an important piece in the context of who he's talking to. Yeah. Uh, it remind it's like, it's like, so, you, oh, so part of the debrief as uh, so part of my process is after I write the manuscript out, uh, after it's finished, it goes into a PDF, it goes on my iPad, and that's what I preach from. But every Sunday uh, morning, when I get to church, when I get to the building, um, part of what I do is I sit down and I take my uh, a stylus and I go through that PDF and I will cross out lines and rewrite it a little better. Um, I'll, I'll take out a section. I took out a whole page this week. Um, because sometimes, uh, uh, sometimes it's, it, it, it's unimportant details, um, Mm -hmm. that, that 
can clutter things up. And, and so, so for Mark uh, and his audience, uh, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's an important piece. Mm-hmm. For Luke, it may have just been clutter. It may have distracted from what the important piece was for the audience that Luke's writing to. Yeah. So that's just my thought there. Is is the first commandment, remember the Lord is one, or is the first commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart? Oh, I mean, it, the, the Shema is the prayer. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, th- I think Jesus including it there is... Uh, probably a wink and a nod to this scribe um, about well, I, about who he is and his understanding of things. Well, I wonder how connected it is to this idea of loving God with all that you have and all that you are. There is one God. Mm-hmm. God is one. Give all of your energy, affection, oh. attention, allegiance to that one God. That, that's not a giving good partially... Point. You know, here you get you get what's left over. You get part of it, but part of it still goes to my bank account. Part of it still goes. Well, and there's, but there's also like when when you're dealing with a with a polytheistic society, um, you're 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 dealing with people, some people who are who tend to be used to uh, multiple uh, deities being worshipped. So you had to hedge your bets. Um, <laughs> and so. Uh, this this may the, it may very well be an intentional focusing hmm. uh, of remember God is one yeah. we don't we don't need to be divvying up our heart mind soul and strength um, we can focus it all in one place that that's that's a good thought yeah I think often when we talk about the greatest commandment we talk about the connection between loving God and loving your neighbor mm-hmm. that Jesus couples those. He doesn't just say, love God with everything, but he says immediately, and the second is like it. <laughs> you shall love love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, the, And the reason the second is like it is because the second is how you fulfill the first. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is one of my one of my big sticking points with with folks that that tend to be uh, on the on the more conservative theological end of things. Um is is the reality that if if God is who they say God is, God does not need anything from us. Mm-hmm. Heart, mind, soul, strength, nothing. Um, but applying our heart, mind, soul, and strength to loving others around us, mm-hmm. um, that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that's that, that, that's where my mind tends to go with that. Because God, uh, God doesn't like, God doesn't need me to fetch the newspaper. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not like bring, God is not aware of what's happening before you pray it. Right. Bring bring some some slippers and a bathrobe. Like that. That's not. That, that's not. That's Your not. Your brain ser- goes to an interesting place. It's that's not serving God. That's not loving God. God does not need those things. Um, what 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 I what I believe God is looking for in in God's creation in us is is our ability to love others without needing that back. Mm-hmm. Um, that that agape that that unconditional. Um, you know, uh, my my 
heart's desire for my children. And, and I, and I, I realized that, you know, a lot of times we, we put ourselves, uh, when we make that analogy, we're putting ourselves in the seat of God, but it is, it is what we understand. It's what, it's what we can, can recognize. Uh, but with my, with our kids, my, my deepest desire for them has nothing to do with career, mm-hmm. has nothing to do with money they make, houses they have. I, I want them to grow up to not be little jerks. <laughs> I, I want them to grow up to be people who love and care for other people. Yeah. That that what they I honestly um I would hope that throughout their life they find love and comfort and community within the church. Um I really do. Um but at the end of the day if they wound up being people who Love other people and aren't little jerks to everybody. Um, I uh, I would be okay even if they like just decided to go to church on Christmas and Easter to you know pacify their their parents. Um, it, it is it for me. It is in raising our children. It is about them living this, mm-hmm. loving their neighbors as they love themselves. Yes, and. Please. I think um, part of the reason that we are raising our kids in the church, not just because we work in the church, um, but part of the reason that you can say it boils down to loving God and loving your neighbor, and you can do that without sitting in the pew. But part of how we learn to love our neighbors is by being around people who are different than us, is by being a part of an intentionally diverse community and being committed to that community, even when it perhaps is uncomfortable or difficult. Um, And I think that you get that in the church in a way that you don't get that in a lot of other places in the world. We self-select in so many ways Mm. what we're going to be a part of, who we're going to be around Whereas in the church, at least in theory, anybody shows up. You never know. You never know who's going to be there. Um, So yes, I hope that our children grow up not to be little jerks. I also hope that they find a community that will hold them accountable, that will challenge them, that will encourage them. No, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. What I'm saying is, is worst case, because let's, let's face it, some PKs get totally disenfranchised disillusioned with the church Mm -hmm. all i'm saying is is if that were to happen but they're still good people who know how to love their neighbors uh i'm 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 gonna call that a win (laughs) well it's, Uh, it's interesting when the the scribe responds to jesus he pretty much parrots back what jesus said uh uh-huh but he adds on, this is more important than all the whole burnt offerings and the sacrifices, kind of saying that living out your faith in that way, loving God and loving others, is more important than anything that happens in the temple, as it were. Yes, and, and honestly, that uh, that's where I think I'm going. Yeah. Uh, for, steward, for my final stewardship uh, message this week. Um, and, that's, and that's probably why. So, so the other night... Uh, Bree says, "Hey," uh, or I said, "Hey, are we on the same same scripture for this week?" And she's like, "And she said, well, what is it?" And I said, uh, "It's the one about the the scribe and the the burnt offerings, and you're you're close to the kingdom." 
And she's like, oh, I don't know. It doesn't ring any bells. Because <laughs> Brie Bree was, her, her head was, oh, it's the first commandment. And mine was, oh, uh, burnt offerings. And <laughs> you're, you're close. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's where I'm going. I think I'm probably I I know I preached on uh, on Micah six back in the summer, mm-hmm. um, but Micah six is also very much a uh, God doesn't take pleasure in the burnt offerings. It's the uh, uh, loving kindness, walking humbly, acting justly. Yeah, uh, those those kinds of things, um, and. And so I'm probably, so I talked about money two weeks ago, mm-hmm. talked about time this week. Um, and so I think, I, I think what it's going to be for, for the final Stewardship Sunday is going to be, uh, it, it's going to be a, uh, what are we, what are we giving towards justice? Hmm. Um, towards, towards the things that, that are important, uh, that, that make a difference, uh, to the, to the greater, uh, uh, community around us. Okay. So I talked, when I talked about time, I talked about the time we give towards being leaders and learners with, within the context of the church and a little bit, a little bit beyond. I think this is gonna be more focused on, um, what we're doing beyond collectively what are we doing beyond where are we all pulling in the same direction mm-hmm. um but i won't know until I actually <laughs> until until we actually write it so yeah so so where where is where is your head at for sunday right now which will probably change but right now it's more on the hero israel the lord our god the lord is one playing with what it is that asks for our attention and energy, what it is that we pledge allegiance to, and how we live that out in our lives. Okay, I changed my mind. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how that actually unfolds. Um, actually, I think I can make them both. I think they can work together. together. Yeah, well, this, this is yeah. going to be a fun one. Um, it, it's, you know, typically, typically when you're thinking stewardship, you're going to pull out, you might pull out the widow's mite, which was... Uh, week uh, week one for me it was a you're I think you're doing four weeks. Um, Widow, I'm actually doing the widow's mite on All Saints Day. Oh, that's which right. Which is where it properly that's right. falls because I I flipped it. That's you right. Flipped it around. Um, so you know you do the widow's mite, you do the uh, cheerful giver, you do a lot of the the scriptures about tithing and giving and yada 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 and uh, and I I kind of really like that. Um. It wasn't. It wasn't so overt and overhanded. Yeah, so it's not um, been a heavy-handed stewardship yeah, season for us. I I hate those. Uh, so so way back when I did the widow's mite uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked about I like named all of these horror stories of uh, church finance pledge drives. People, you know, demanding church finance people demanding to see people's pay stubs so they knew you know and telling people this is what you need to to give all that. Um, I actually had people tell me that, Oh yeah, I remember that happening. Mm. Um, Oh, I, I remember the stewardship committee coming to my house and sitting down to talk with me. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
All right. So, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and uh, you love, are not far from the kingdom. Love God and love your neighbors. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. All right. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us today on uh, on the RevCast. Uh, we hope it has been uh, uplifting for you. Uh, thankfully, at least right now, um, we've made it without the, the refrigerator being delivered. Hopefully it will um, come in this window of time yes. between Mike's podcasts. Now. Yeah, yeah I got about awesome. an hour. I got about an hour. So uh, so we'll see about that. But, uh, but thank you for joining us. Please, please, please uh, like, share, comment, subscribe, all of those things with the podcast that helps with the with the algorithms, we we do appreciate that, uh, especially if if this if you find this helpful, if you find this fun, um, we're we're kind of Bible nerds, so it's kind of fun for us. Yeah, uh, we enjoy it. Yeah, we'll keep doing and if, it anyway. And, but... and if it's not fun for you, we'll punish your friends and share it anyway. <laughs> Uh, and you can find us, uh, I don't know how you're listening to us, but we are all over the place now. We are on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and Anchor.fm and Spotify and Outcast and Overcast and Undercast and any other uh, podcasting platforms that are out there. We're like on all of them now. Wow. Um, and that's all thanks to, to Anchor.fm and their wonderful platform uh, that they uh, let us use for free. Yay! Uh, and by the way, they let anybody use that for free. Yay! We're not special. We are special. I mean, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you can also, uh, if uh, if you <laughs> if you didn't get enough of me, uh, you can listen to the Simple Theologian podcast, also available uh, wherever you get your podcasts, because that's also hosted by Anchor. Uh, but that's me and Pastor Dan uh, doing our thing. Uh, we are currently talking through. Uh, uh, Jonathan Merritt's book, Learning to Speak God from Scratch. Mm. And uh, so so you could join us for that, and that uh, that comes out every week too. So uh, until next time, I'm Pastor Mike. I'm Pastor Bree. And remember, whether your refrigerator comes or not, God loves you. <laughs> and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Peace.